lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage. She will be joining us here momentarily for the Dace Group and, of course, all of you. We've got a typical Friday show lined up for you here today. We'll get to Feedback Friday a little bit later on. The Dace Group will start here in a minute. But if you don't mind, I like it when we get notes like this about our partners here on the show who make everything possible. Uh, I wanted to brag about the exceptional customer service that I experienced with Built, with Built Bar. We know, we already know, they are absolutely the best protein bars on the planet. I just tried the coconut brownie chunk puff bar for the first time, and oh my wow. Anyway, uh, I made an order from Built Bar. It arrived at the same time you were down here in Dallas. As you know, it is hotter than hell down here, literally. Uh, 108 degrees the day it arrived. Driving home, passing all the dead cows piled up on the side of the road like snow drifts in North Dakota. That's sarcasm, by the way. Uh, I found that my order was left at the end of the road instead of being put on my porch. Not Built Bar's fault. That was the delivery driver, of course. Of course, the package was so hot that by the time I got home, everything was melted. I emailed Built Bar to tell them what happened, and they corrected a problem that wasn't even theirs. Uh, it was not no fault of their own, and yet they immediately shipped out a completely new replacement order, outstanding and above and beyond the call of duty. That's from Brad Callahan. And so you can not only just get the greatest protein bar of all time, but also outstanding customer service from our friends. Over at Built Bar, I just mentioned the new Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. You know, Coconut Brownie Chunk is number two in my Built Bar Flavor Power Ratings, a strong number two. Number one, Cookie Dough Chunk is out right now as well, and it is glorious. But you can get all of their glorious flavors today at Built.com, B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar. Go to Built.com, and while you're there, use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, and you'll get 15% off your Built Bar order, no matter how large it is. My recent Built Bar order that I use my own promo code for was rather large. I ordered four boxes of chocolate chip cookie dough chunk. And the only reason I didn't order five is I just thought that I had to salvage whatever shred of dignity I had left. Cut it shred off being the operative shred, word. Shred would be, indeed, the operative word here. You are correct. All right, let's get to it. It is time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins, as we always do, with issue one, bleep, Lord Nefarious says. The reason Brittany Griner and other women are in Russia playing basketball is because they don't get paid anywhere near what the men get paid in the U.S., and that's just what they do. Do you feel like abortion should be illegal? No, absolutely not. They should definitely be legal. I wish I was aborted sometimes. Walker is has the backing of the Republicans. Now, you ask, why are Republicans backing this man who's so clearly unintelligent, who so clearly doesn't have independent thoughts, but that's actually the reason. Walker's right. going to do what he's told. And that's what Republicans like. That's what Republicans want from their Negroes. Yeah. 
people who change what people think are artists and drag queens. And let's not forget who threw that first break at Stonewall. Yes. You know, that is what led to us passing the Equality Act in the House in this term, marriage equality. It starts with you. I mean, your patriots. You are. I have this giant pride flag in my classroom and I work at a school that's got a lot of homophobia so every time somebody new comes into my classroom they have this look of just utter confusion and I live for it it genuinely gives me life her name is Britta Filter and she is the queen of New York yeah. I don't know if I'm being a bit extreme with this, but prior to 2016, I go in the supermarket and there's a person next to me, the, the clerk who checked me out, go to the doctor's office, talk to the receptionist, the doctor, go to the dentist, get my car fixed. I had no issue. Now, now, 2022, I'm looking at the receptionist at the doctor's office and wondering if she's a Trump supporter. I'm wondering if my mechanic voted for Trump. I don't want you fixing my car, right? At the supermarket, the cashier who's ringing me through. Did you vote for Trump? Because I don't want you ringing my shit up. All right, let's get to it. Jill, as the guest, and because ladies are first around here, what was the worst pile of sulfuric ash that you just witnessed? Well, when I look at this is how Republicans want their Negroes to act, to me, I go, okay, do they even look at who we admire and who we look to? Because Thomas Sowell is one of the greatest thinkers that we have in America, yet he is never propped up by anyone on the left, anybody in in black communities to say, hey, look at what you can be. And uh, Clarence Thomas, he's usually the one that they point out as, oh, he's an Uncle Tom, Don't, don't look at what he's doing. But that just so irritates me that they say, oh, Herschel Walker, he's just gonna sit down and do what he's told. Because like there's any proof that that's ever happened in Herschel Walker's life ever before. But to me, the very worst was that grandma at the very end saying, I can't have a Trump supporter checking me out at the grocery store doing anything to fix my car. This is it, it. It's still going to be a problem going forward because it feels like national divorce is the only thing. Move to red states, people, where you, we all have to start just getting together in our own little communities because it's going to be local, local, local to get ourselves out of this. Because who knows, there are some days where I wake up, Steve, and I'm like, yes, we're, we're going to win. You see Carrie Lake in Arizona, things are looking good. And then there are other days where I go, okay, who is John Galt? How, how, do, I, how do I jump <laughs> out of this? And how do I get a plan to, you know, to escape from all of this madness? So that's any, any given time of day, my brain is doing one of those two things. So you, there's three things you said there I want to address. Um, starting with the grandmother, did you notice her latent elitism? Everywhere I go to pay blue collar people to do these things yes. for me, I wonder, did you vote for Trump? 
Are you part of are you part of the uh, I mean, there is a sneering there. OK, and that's how you end up with things like stormings of Bastilles. Did you guys did you guys pick yeah. up on that? I did. Her? Yeah. Um, the other thing, and, and we mentioned this earlier this week, uh, Jill, when we brought up the whole, uh, you know, uh, House Negro thing that they dropped on MSNBC on uh, on Herschel Walker. Let me get this straight. The, the, the black people who slavishly vote for the same political party to a tune of 90 plus percent in every election for six decades to not get any of the fundamental issues facing their community or subculture ever really truly addressed or solved. They're the critical thinkers, the, the people that just blindly go and pull the lever for the same people with the same letter after their name year after year, decade after decade. Those are the those are the strong and independent ones. The guy who you, you may not like his conclusions, but you can't you can't say that Herschel Walker doesn't think for himself. That's the guy that is the he's the, the guy that goes out on his own is the House Negro. The guy that the, the, the folks that just vote slavishly for the same people over and over and over again. Um, they're Frederick Douglass or something. Right. We talked about that earlier this week. And then um, I totally forgot what was the third thing you said that I wanted to address. So, Todd, I'll just go to you. Well, I'm glad Jill's on because I really want to hear what she has to say about this as a successful woman in a still largely male-dominated industry. I have seen a couple things that reflect the reality of women in sports. I was watching the Big Ten Network a couple days ago, uh, and they had the first ever— uh, media day for Big Ten women's volleyball. Mm-hmm. Now, Big Ten's well, the final of it was Wisconsin versus Nebraska last year. Like seven of their Big Ten teams were ranked in the top 25, and they just decided last year, you know, it's time to take this to the next level. My own daughter, I've been watching for like five weeks now. Again, just as I said, she's treated like a demigod there, as are all of her teammates. Yet, that first clip... With Dana Lash, who saw, who I think is viewed as one of those Dana like, Bash. Dana Bash. Dana Excuse Lash me, is Lash. one of Excuse ours. Me. Excuse me, Dana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she is one of. She, I think she's viewed as like like Tim Russert like that. What what an absolute scam! That poor me. How bad women have it in sport. That poor Brittany Griner had to go to Russia just to put food on the table. You people make me sick. And women everywhere. Who are interested in sport, knowing full well what the truth is, like my daughter, like Jill, like that's the reality. How how dare Dana say something like that? Uh, it is an utter lie. It is meant to make women feel weak. It is preposterous, and I don't know why decent women put up with it. Dana honestly should she should get uh, her walking papers for saying that some saying something that patently stupid and wrong. When you look at Brittany Griner, she made, I believe it was $225,000 to work. And that's not for the year. You sitting at home who's, you know, going to work every day. This is Brittany Griner playing the WNBA season, which is only a couple months long. So you're telling me that that's not enough for her, that she has to because of, of the society that we're in. She's so put down that she has to go over to Russia and play. No, 
Brittany Griner could do any number of things. She chose to go over and play in Russia. There are other leagues that she could have gone to play in that, that wouldn't have been, you know, so so difficult for her because we know when, when the World Cup was over in Russia, I think it was like 2018, they were openly telling people, hey, if you're a same-sex couple, don't hold hands here. They will not be treating you as well as you think in your country. Don't be kissing in public, no PDA. That's not gonna go over well for you. So the fact that Britney just goes over there and says, I can do whatever I want, you know, she hates the national anthem here. It's it's all well, now where she's at, Jill, she doesn't have to be subjected to the national anthem anymore. That's there's all you know me, I will always find a way to declare victory, guys. All right. So if you know Brittany Kreiner, if you are pals with her, you can comfort. She she should be comforted with the knowledge that she will no longer be confronted with the noise pollution known as the national anthem for at least another nine years. Uh, her one of her five senses will be free from that toxic exposure. Go ahead, Jill. Finish your point. I'm sorry. The, no, the bottom line is it's just entitlement. She just feels like she should be getting all of this stuff, as do all of the leftists. When, when they look at it and they say, oh, if I'm not getting 100% of what I want, when you look at the, the men's and women's soccer team, the, the pay disparity between them, the women actually made more percentage-wise of the paycheck that came back to them than the men did. They actually had a better deal than the men did. So I, I look at this and I always say, okay, this they, they just want to make a story out of it to make a story out of it. Jill, of course, is getting paid less as a Blaze TV contributor than we paid Josh Hammer when he had that gig because he has a penis. Aaron. Yeah, no, I uh, the, the conventional thinking. So the, the argument the argument from Dana Bash is that uh, Brittany Griner uh, was forced to uh, carry hashish through a, a Russian airport because of the Western patriarchy. You that's get, the you get it. That's the argument there. You get it. Um, I the conventional thinking is though if you're I think. From most people is that hey you know she's got she, you know she's she got what she wanted when she comes back in nine years she's going to enter the country and kiss the ground here no 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 she was soft-headed here who's to say she's going to be not going to be soft-headed there she's going to come back in nine years or whenever and double and triple and quadruple down and tell everyone that Russia is the progressive utopia that she sought here in the United States <laughs> because of all of the mental conditioning that she's going to surely get in prison during her stint there. Very quickly, though, my worst of the week is also uh, what Jill had as well. The woman at the end of the clip, there was some sort of Order 66, I think, from the progressive behemoth that went down following and maybe during 2016. I... I I really believe that to where all of their followers now have it in their minds that it is absolutely normal, good and virtuous behavior to behave like that. To say, I don't want my neighbor. I hate my neighbor. I don't want anybody I come in contact to even be anything associated with fill in the blank political candidate. I really believe something like that happened. I, I, and especially amongst that generation as well on the left. Uh, there was a radio show I used to love listening to. It was a Hawkeye radio show, but it was three times a week, these three old farts even doing, during the offseason would just sit around and the sh just shoot the breeze. I have not been able since 2020 to listen to more than 10 minutes of that show because it's that. It's all that, all of the time. And uh, yeah, something has changed in the water over there, and that's very, very dangerous. At least the battle lines are drawn now.
you prompted what I was, the third thing I wanted to mention to Jill when I had my uh, pre-senior moment, because I am getting emails from the AARP now, uh, and forgot what was the third item I wanted to mention. And the, the discouragement that you said you struggle with, Jill, I mean, some days it looks like we're going to win, and then, you know, we're reminded. Uh, you know, what? I, I think it's because we, are, we need to come to grips with this fact. You're going to have to go to the finish line. There is no amount of, bl- of blowback. There is no amount of political loss. That There's no point. There, I promise you, this is religious. You are up against a rival religion. There is no point, no level of shame, nothing. We're on a meta level. Every now and then they might do it. You know, Twitter get a, enough blowback for suspending someone. They'll bring them back. Okay. But on a meta, but they'll go back to still banning people in general. Right. On a meta level, there is never going to be a time that they are going to say detente. It's never happening. This is religious level of conviction. You are going to have to fight the spirit of the age until the end. The end. And that means defeat, not detente. There will not be a detente. I promise you there will not be one. There will just be a defeat. And it's just a matter of which side it is. And it'll, I promise you also, it will be the side that has the most conviction in the righteousness of its cause. Period. Uh-oh. That has you concerned, Tad? It does. Then let's get to the exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the odds that Joe Biden won't get rebound COVID again, and again, and again, and again. And 10 being the odds, Lindsey Graham will get monkeypox again and again and again and again and again and again. It's hurtful. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10. Jill. 10. Aaron. It's 10. Tens abound before we get to issue two, because after all that total depravity, you might be thinking, time to can up. Talk to our friends over at My Patriot Supply. If you don't think you might need emergency food soon, buddy of mine, one of my poker buddies, good old-fashioned Iowa farmer, was tweeting out, my buddy Chad was tweeting out the other day, I'm warning y'all, don't be bypassing Dace when he does the My Patriot Supply ads. Pay attention. We are having a hard time as farmers with the, with maintaining your food supply, given the cost of fuel abound uh, across the board right now. And he's like, I, I could literally see- have mine in my room right now. Do you? My, he, supply. Uh, yeah, my, it's my, right here. my buddy Chad's like, I could see things if, unless there is some kind of economic turnaround in the fourth quarter here. I could see things getting tight 12 to 18 months from now on the back end of this. So take advantage of my Patriot supply, the three month emergency food kit from the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save $150 and get free shipping. That's three square meals a day, plus snacks, drinks, more than 2000 calories for you and everyone in your household. You'll get this deal when you get it from preparewithdace.com. Preparewithdace.com, $150 off and free delivery when you go to preparewithdace.com. Let's get to issue two Arizona Sea Change. Aside from the fact that the state of Arizona remains a cesspool of poorly run elections, two results 
From that state's GOP primary this week have many conservatives buzzing. First, Blake Masters won his Senate primary against a bevy of competitors. Masters is a 35-year-old former venture capitalist who enjoyed the backing of billionaire Peter Thiel and the support of Donald Trump. Masters is running a campaign centered around nationalist populist messaging, emphasizing a strong border, pillaring woke ideology, and decrying the bond between big tech, big business, and big government. Second, and despite the fact that as of Thursday afternoon, the votes still were being counted in the GOP gubernatorial primary. It's expected Carrie Lake will indeed prevail. Lake is a former TV newswoman in Arizona turned conservative firebrand apart from scathing moments like this. I'll do an interview okay. as long as it airs on CNN+. Plus. Oh. <laughs> Does that still exist? Yeah. I didn't think so, because the people don't like what you guys are peddling, so, which is propaganda. Thank you, you. you. Lake seems to understand what time it is. We are in a culture war right now. Yes. Our children are in the crosshairs of the left, and we will not let them take our babies. They're not going to take our children's minds and poison our future. And so we're going to do big things for Arizona. I want to bring people together today and, and every day moving forward. Too early to tell, but for a state that produced the likes of the puke Doug Ducey, John McCain and Jeff Flake. It seems there may be something happening in the Grand Canyon state. So let's ask that question. Todd, I'll begin with you. Do the nominations of Carrie Lake and Blake Masters signify a sea change in Arizona GOP politics? And if so, could that be echoed nationwide? I am going to say yes. And I would have... Hold, hold. I know. Did they I ran, know. What happened? Did, did they ran out of vinegar at, at high V. That's, the, that's the first here. supply chain casualty. I would have said no had it not been for the clip. And before I even saw the clip, that's the clip I had in the back of my mind. Because it, by my experience, locally, everywhere, like the, Ron DeSantis is unique. But when I, it's one thing for her to come on the news and say something very powerful about our babies or give a speech or something like that. But when there are moments organically like that, where she instantly, intuitively smells blood and kneecaps it and maybe knows the cameras are there or maybe doesn't, I mean, probably in that case was, but more than that, just knows there's an opportunity and I'm going to have some fun because this situation deserves it. That will last. That's something that will go to the 11th hour. That's somebody who knows what time it is. That's somebody, like Steve says, is willing to fight this thing to the bitter end. I, I have that sense about her. So I'll narrowly say yes. By the way, breaking news, Joe Biden has literally tested positive for COVID again. At what point does it not become breaking it, it, news? It, it literally, literally, just as we were talking about it, literally just happened again. We are redefining what it means to have the long COVID. <laughs> All right, Aaron, you're next. So I'm going to say no. And that's based purely on the fact that um, watching this play out, I'm having flashbacks to November of 2020. I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have like the political pressure capital, fill in the blank, to fix your damn elections after that embarrassment... And remember, Arizona was the state that we had, what, the, the audit of, I think, Maricopa County, if not uh, a couple of other counties as well. And if that wasn't enough to fix, and yeah, it's at the county level as well, but uh, you can hold those people accountable. If there's not enough political pressure, political will yet to fix, to do something to fix those elections, 
I'm not totally sold that this is a sea change. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. In fact, in fact, I think it's a it's a good thing. I, the, the the general election will will tell the whole story. But if we're facing a scenario, bingo. What we're yeah. facing a scenario like we did with this primary and the general election. There's no way, no way, Blake Masters. There's no way he's going to win. There's certainly no way Carrie Lake is going to win because she's only up by what a, a, a point and a half right now. There's no way they will cheat their asses off again. And if there's not been enough of a political will in that state yet to fix their freaking elections, I'm not sold on a sea change. Well, the purpose, the, the person on, who, go ahead, go ahead. I want the person who isn't though. fixing it is the person Carrie Lake is running against. It's correct. the Democrat secretary of state. That's correct. So that I mean, it's a, it's really on the table. So, Jill, when you look at the turnout right now in Arizona, uh, there's a there's at least 150,000 more Republicans that voted in their contested uh, gubernatorial primary than in the Democrat version. And Biden only <clears throat> won the state by about 11,000 votes the last time. OK, so that margin is important because I promise you there are going to be uh, Republican primary voters of the McC of the McStain variety that are going to vote Democratic because Carrie Lake won, because they have more in common with them. That is, and the state, they'll do the same thing in the Senate primary as well with Masters. Uh, he just appears to have more money than Lake does. So that's going to happen. So you're going to need some buffer, okay? But even if half, even if half of that margin, it won't be that high, but even if half of that margin was wiped out by people who will now cross over as Republicans and vote Democrat, that is still a 75,000 vote margin for her to win. Now, here's why that's important, Jill, because Aaron said the magic words. This can be a sea change. Everything Todd said can be correct, okay? But this reminds me a little bit on a parochial level when, when we had our first successful primary cycle here in Iowa with a bunch of candidates that some of us helped to recruit and coach and help run. And one of them came to me with like their master plan of how we could do this in the next couple of cycles. And it was a pretty good plan, but then I looked at him and I said, don't ever look at this again until you win. If you don't win in November, none of this matters. If you win in November, everybody's going to want to read this and be interested in it. If you don't read in November, no one's going to care who you are the Wednesday after uh, the election. You'll just be forgotten. You'll be back in uh, the private sector working for a living. And so that's what they have to do, Jill. They have to win now. They're in a very favorable environment. The turnout model shows that, that their party is, is, is engaged and that they could afford some slippage of McStain Republican voters to go to the other side because that will occur, but they have to win. If they win, yes, it will be a sea change. If they don't, it won't. Yeah, it, exactly. If they win, it will be a sea change. And when I look at Carrie Lake, I was in Arizona. I lived there for five years, and I was there for when COVID began. And Doug Ducey, the governor there, put issued stay-at-home orders all the way through the month of April through May 15th. And finally, at May 15th, some businesses were allowed to be open again. I think that Carrie Lake, with the way that she is attacking the border issue and, you know, just, just general freedoms, the Republicans felt Doug Ducey and they said, what is going on? We are a red state, you know, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But they thought that it was much more red than it felt when we were living under COVID stan in Arizona. So for that alone, I think that Carrie Lake has 
she has tapped in obviously to the Trump wing. She has been said as the being the female Trump and and trying to go out. And I think it's a big deal that both Blake Masters and Carrie Lake won because we've had this discussion on the show before. How do Republicans go out and vote for one conservative and one rhino? Well, this time, both That's a of the great conservative point. candidates yeah. got through. So, Steve, my question to you is, though, how do we take this issue in, in, in the wave that we have now where Trump has cleared the path? It's, it's never been easier to go up and stand as a conservative and run on real issues how do we make sure that we don't follow the same path as the Tea Party and just have this all fizzle out? The reality is right now, the only infrastructure you have for this is Trump. All of these people win because they're either endorsed by Trump or elevated by Trump. That's the only infrastructure you have for it. And that's actually an argument for him to actually not run again and to pass the baton on to a DeSantis that you could potentially lengthen the roots, deepen them more beyond him. Uh, So this becomes more of a generational sea change. Uh, But uh, that's a topic for another day. Exit question. If the odds both Lake and Masters win in November were a Fall Out Boy song, which Fall Out Boy song would it be? A- Sugar, we're going down swinging. So principled, nice try, but no. Uh, B, dead on arrival, not happening, period. Or C, immortals. Hell yeah. Todd. Who's Fallout Boy and how do you know anything about them? <laughs> do you not like watch college football at all? They're literally a band that was created to promote college football, literally. Uh, to, they are a band created to do bumper music for college football broadcast. Well, that's why you know what this is. That's why I know. Yeah. What are you going with? Uh, uh, immortals. What is wrong with you? Hey, I, just between just between us, you and the wife got a weekend plan, don't you, brother? Kind of feeling your oats a little bit. Jill, quickly. Immortals. Wow. I'm stuck at A. I want to be C, but I'm stuck at A. All right, we'll come back. Toto, this isn't Kansas anymore. We'll get to the flip side here in a moment. We are in the throes of August, which means we're in peak cooler season, really. We're in the dog days of summer, one of the most uh, heightened vacation seasons on the calendars coming up here uh, by the end of this month. And then we'll be into tailgate season. We had the NFL Hall of Fame game last night. So, you know, Aaron was uh, completely ensconced in watching that last evening. Uh, So this is the perfect time to go to our friends over at Tyga Coolers right now and get an outstanding premium American-made cooler with a lifetime warranty from a company that shares your values and your sense of snark. They might even, who knows, uh, they, they might even customize your sense of snark uh, onto a cooler for you like they did to for me and Lindsey Graham and getting to the bottom of it earlier this year. Or you're just like, I don't care about that. I just want a badass cooler. They can do that for you as well. When you go to tigacoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A for tigacoolers.com, use the promo code Steve for 10% off while you're there and get that discount with the promo code Steve at tigacoolers.com. Again, that's T-A-I-G-A for tigacoolers.com. And now we return with Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage. Let's get to issue three here on the Dace Group. Toto, this isn't Kansas anymore. 
More Kansans on Tuesday voted for baby killing than the total number of registered Democrats in that state. Significantly fewer than half the number of registered Republicans in the state showed up to protect babies. This was dealing with the referendum, poorly worded though it was, and that's never an excuse, that would have opened the door for the state's legislature to ban baby killing in the state's constitution. It was the first major referendum on baby killing at the state level since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. On the very same day Kansas delivered that stinking turd of a result, Chris Kobach won his primary for state attorney general, and he'll likely win in the general election, making him one of the most pro-life attorneys general in the country. What a weird, weird state. Jill, since we discussed this at length already on the show, we'll go to you first and maybe get a fresh take on this. What happened in Kansas on Tuesday night, do you think? Well, we were talking earlier in the show. It's going to come down to whoever really, truly believes in their issues the best. And and that's who's going to win and who has that level of conviction. What we saw in Kansas is the voter turnout was far exceeding their expectations. 70% of new voters that were registered for this vote were women. And 20% of those that went and voted in this election didn't vote for a Democrat or a Republican governor, governor in the primary. It's just going out and trying to kill babies. That's all they cared about. They showed up at the polls just to go and vote for their conviction to kill babies. Now, the messaging for conservatives has always been a problem. Aaron alluded to that in the video outside of DeSantis and Trump. You know, after the Dobbs decision, there was a lot of talk around the ectopic pregnancy saying that you can't get the treatment that you need. And, you know, it's less than 1% of all of the abortions that, you know, that they would go through and have anyway were all of these other issues. 90% was just because they want to go out and kill the baby. But all of the messaging after the Dobbs decision wasn't clear on our side. There was never somebody that stood up and really articulated that in in Kansas, if if you have this and you come out and you say, okay, evil isn't going to stop. Our side has to go through and make sure that everybody knew exactly what was on that bill and why they were doing it. And it just doesn't look like that was the case. And you'd expect Kansas to be conservative. And that was our downfall. All right. Aaron, what are your thoughts on what you just heard from Jill or you want to take it in your own direction? So I I think... What happened in Kansas was similar to what happened in our own backyard back during last year's November elections. So those were the elections, remember, Loudoun County, Virginia, the Virginia gubernatorial race. Those were all center stage in the national spotlight, most of them revolving around education. Now, we have and still continue to deal with even here in Des Moines and suburban and exurban and Todd will tell you and I can tell you as well, still dealing with some of the same issues, maybe not to the degree, but it's still the same same tripe, the still same wicked tripe that they were dealing with in in Loudoun County, uh, Virginia. And yet here, other than a few races and a few um, uh, suburbs, uh, the candidates that would at least uh, listen to people like us or at least or even agree with us on a lot of things when it comes to public education, they were just trounced. And I think the I think the the, the kind of thinking was that we were just kind of complacent around here because of who our governor is or at least what she projected. And so we got complacent and really care about the local school board elections. And that's how we got our clocks cleaned. And I think something similar happened in Kansas as well. Now, 
uh, my in-laws are from Kansas and, uh, you know, I have uh, family in Kansas as well. So I'm I'm not completely unfamiliar with the state, but, you know, I'm not there as well. But I will tell you, I, I didn't I didn't really get many rumblings about this referendum other than a few. Oh, yeah, this is happening uh, next month or, yeah, this is happening in a couple of weeks or this is this. Is, it was barely in the periphery of my radar. You would think that if. If, and this goes not just to the state organization, nationally as well. Why didn't I see story after story just clogging my news feed from National Right to Life, from LifeSite News, from all of these national uh, pro-life organizations shedding light on this race? That's a big problem. I, I think, I, you know, this, this might be in some ways a more comforting explanation that it is merely just... Uh, we got complacent, rested on our laurels. That's not comforting, but it is more comforting than the other uh, explanation, which is just that Republicans, by and large, just want restrictions on baby killing. They don't want to ban it altogether. I, I think it's just a matter of complacency. We're still high on our own supply of overturning Roe and uh, just kind of turned a blind eye to this. What do you think, Todd? Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Remember what happened to get Roe overturned? It involved the magical political feng shui of Donald Trump, of all people, as Steve has highlighted, appointing not one, not two, but three. And that only happening because of the unbelievable cultish hubris of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her followers for keeping her on far too long. Short of that, that doesn't get overturned. And the fact that it did get overturned is still ultimately an intellectual exercise by nine rogue people who were never meant to have that much control over how things work in this uh, society one way or the other. So glad that it happened, but not much changed. So we go right back to what Steve's been talking about lately, very recently. The people are the problem. And they're the same people that they were just a little while ago when Dobbs was overturned. And they have an appetite for killing babies and sleeping fine at night. And that's what happened. So let's get to the exit question here then. If the true pro-life views of most Americans were a lyric to Fall Out Boy's Sugar We're Going Down Swinging, which is the best rock song of the 21st century thus far, which lyric would it be? A, a loaded God complex, cock it and pull it. In other words, I'm kind of deciding what the moral line is around here. And I think too much abortion in this case is icky. So let's do something about that. But I still want the escape hatch in case I, I need to cover up my own mistake. B, I'm just a notch in your bedpost, but you're just a line in a song. Just, you know, complacent, don't care, lackadaisical. C, I've been dying to tell you anything you want to hear because that's just who I am this week. People who think they are mostly pro-life, maybe, but in the end, when put to the test, are not. Jill. I'm going to go see. That's what we saw. People were just kind of going out there telling you what you wanted to hear and didn't show up at the polls. Todd? Yeah, see, because if there was ever a moment, a wave to ride, this is it. And they didn't. There's no heart, real heart there. Aaron. C. Wow. Another unanimous selection here. Okay. So that gets us to our kicker topic, issue four. Are there actually any red states? 
because I don't believe there are. I think there are states that are clearly redder, but is there a singular state in the union that you know they wouldn't even dare attempt to choke you out with a Chinese face diaper? They wouldn't even dare attempt to tell you, um, you close your church, but the Rainbow Jihad's church is open 24-7, yo. That they would dare contemplate any form of preemptive action against your Second Amendment rights. That they would dare not attempt to indoctrinate your kids in the government schools with your tax dollars. Does this state actually exist? And I don't believe it does. Now, I actually think that's more of an argument for moving to what we are currently calling red states. Because what is the, what's the more, what's the better likelihood that you're going to make Wyoming and Idaho actually live up to their reputations or change Oregon? That you're going to actually, you know, teach Texas what it means to, to, to really truly believe you don't mess with Texas again. Or that you're going to flip Connecticut. See where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's far more likely you will redden a state that is redder than flip a state that is completely tethered to the spirit of the age. But how would you guys answer this? Todd, I'll start with you. No, we don't have any red states because uh, something uh, like what you're talking about would have happened long ago in these states regarding Drag Queen Story Hour. You would have had sheriffs. That's another one, even if I thought about it, because this is exactly what you're saying. You would have lined up like they couldn't wait to do this because and and, and right there in, in Kansas, more conservative state, these Drag Queen Story Hours are going on there. Yeah. So do we really think a world that is sitting by passively watching drag queen uh, story hour is got the appetite to rush out to the polls and make sure the babies? I mean, come on. What, what kind of stories are we telling ourselves to believe such nonsense? There are Steve is absolutely right. There are no red states because if there were people would be in jail and it would have happened a long time ago. Jill. Uh, see, the first half hour is when I was excited about today, and this last half hour is when I'm not that excited because there <laughs> are no red states, and this is the conundrum that we face. Yes, of course, DeSantis is going out there, and and he's collecting victory after victory, so many so this week that I probably couldn't name all of the accomplishments that he has done off of the top of my head, but that's not enough for for where we are as as a whole movement in general we still go back everything is either controlled you know the purse strings by mitch mcconnell or or kevin mccarthy cpac is going on in texas right now there was an article in the national pulse that said they took six-figure donations from a soros-funded group so all of this rhino bush red stuff is still leading us how are we ever going to have true red states if the the people at the top don't believe in the things that you and I and this audience believes in. I love when Daniel Horowitz came on your show and said that Ron DeSantis was running a no huddle offense that he kept pushing every day. Now, if we do get a Carrie Lake in Arizona and a Ron DeSantis in Florida, and they are able to push the narrative so far mm-hmm. ahead, Greg Abbott is going to have no chance. He is going to have to. Yeah, he's going to be squeezed between team. the two of them. You're right about that. He's going to have to follow their lead. So, with that, 
maybe you actually get to where where we all would like it to be. But outside of that, Ron DeSantis is just a lone wolf at this point in time. He needs some reinforcements and governors across the country to help him get there to, to get true red states. Well said. And that's why, as a female, she is her she is the underpaid Blaze TV contributor uh, in accordance with her male counterparts. So Yo, get a part-time job in Russia. We wish you well. Indeed. Uh, just yeah. just smuggle your drugs across our border instead. Yes. We're totally okay with it. Aaron. <laughs> no, there are no red states. But again, I keep coming back to this refrain that courage is contagious. Mm-hmm. When you expand the Overton window, when you expand the Overton window in our favor, meaning the expectation, the expectations are elevated for the people you represent, then, then you start to see action. Somebody uh, tweeted at me yesterday, hey, why isn't Greg Abbott, why isn't Greg Abbott going after the, the state attorneys that are backed by George Soros or, or other left-wing attorneys? You know, why, why isn't that happening in your red state? The expectation is raised, and that's a good thing. Actually, the standards, let me say that, the standards are raised. Expectations are you know, aren't, aren't worth uh, aren't worth anything. The standards are raised, and that's when you see competition uh, on our side of the aisle instead of, uh, yeah, we'll just do a slower lurch to the left. Uh, so, yeah, there are no red states right now. The closest, as has been said, is Florida. But I, I think when you see advents of Ron DeSantis, Carrie Lake, and see maybe if she gets elected, we can see others just kind of start to follow their lead as well. So that's kind of the, I guess, hopeful way to look at that. All right, let's get to predictions. Jill, go. I look at the Iowa football season, and man, it's it's bleak because the total offense number for Iowa, they were ranked 121st behind Rutgers, UNLV, and Vanderbilt last year. I am going to go out on a limb. The best that they have finished in the last like eight years is 87th in total offense. If we can just get in the 60s, guys, we're going to be a good football team. So that is that is my prediction. Somehow, some way, Iowa football is going to be ranked in the 60th percentile in total offense at the end of the that season. That would be an incredible progression, particularly given the schedule that Iowa is playing this fall, too. This is one of the toughest schedules they faced in the last few years at the same time. I'm not asking for great. I'm just asking for decent, guys. All right. Todd. Uh, I'm going... I don't know all of the particulars, but Nike is going to get involved in suing a major conference or conferences because of this uh, realignment in terms of the breach of contract I've officially mentioned because of how much it has invested in Oregon football. See, I think they would have wanted to do this already. The problem is they're invested in all these other schools at the exact same time. You know what I'm saying? Like they're outfitting Michigan and most of the Big Ten schools at the exact same time. Aaron. Within the next six to 12 months, the Kansas City Chiefs will announce they're building a new stadium on the Kansas side of the border. Everybody went with a sports prediction without comparing notes. Is it just because you guys knew Jill was coming on or no? Because I've got one too, actually. Uh, Deshaun Watson will not play a down for the Cleveland Browns this season. Not a single down. And I'm, I, 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 in fact, I think there's a better chance he'll never play in the NFL again then he'll play it down this season, given the way this is trending. Um, so, Jill, is the, sport, is the sports guy, you have any predictions, any thoughts on that prediction, Jill? I I would not be surprised if, if yeah, I, I'm with you. I would be more surprised if he did play this season 
than if he doesn't at this point in time. The way that things are going and kind of the backlash that that six games came out, and they still have the ability to change this. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's the, the way it goes. Always good to see you, Jill. Thanks for joining us. All right, take care. Have a great weekend. You too. See you guys. All right, we will come back. We've got another hour to go, and it'll be Feedback Friday when we do. Stay tuned. And greetings. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. And he is Aaron McIntyre, and you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, TikTok, and Instagram. And you can also look for clips of the show that are free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Show. And then finally, don't forget, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. At Real Steve Dace is where you can find us there. Thank you to every one of you that are podcast listeners, especially those of you that have left us five-star reviews. You're a big part of our show's continued success and growth. Thank you very much. Please hit subscribe and follow for us if you've yet to do this. Uh, and then if you've yet to leave us a five-star review, and if you've got a question that you would like to have considered in an upcoming Ask Me Anything, uh, simply insert it into your five-star review, and it will go to the front of the line for consideration uh, from Todd for the next Ask Me Anything here on the show. This portion of the show brought to you by underwear, specifically mine, the underwear that I wear. It's the only underwear I buy these days, and that is Tommy John. And just to clarify, because there was some confusion the last time this came up, I don't just wear the same pair. I have several pairs. All right, and that's because they are absolutely fantastic. Yes, there's a script here, but here's the best thing I could tell you. I can't give you a better endorsement than when they let me try a product for free and I love it so much that I go back in and buy it out of my own pocket again and again and again. That's why Tommy John doesn't just have fans. They have fanatics and that's why they also have over 17 million pairs sold of both underwear and loungewear, which they've also got a line for the ladies as well. Right now you can get 20% off your first order, 20% off your first order when you go to tommyjohn.com slash Steve. That's tommyjohn.com slash Steve. All right. You guys ready for some feedback Friday? You bet. Always. Seth Flam has a suggestion. He says you guys need to start Dace's Razor. It's just depopulation, bro. What do you think? Asked and answered. I like I like that one. All right. We will begin to deploy that. Thank you very much. Seth. Uh, this one's a little lengthy, okay? But I think when I get to the end of it, you'll realize that it was worth it, all right? I want to celebrate the overturning of Roe v. Wade along with all of my fellow pro-life Christians, but my grandma heart is broken. I was born in 1973, the year Roe v. Wade was decided. I was raised in a pro-life home. I was taught the value of life and that life begins at conception. Growing up, we talked about how important it was that Roe v. Wade be overturned and how we could help make that happen. And someday we would be able to celebrate that in this country. We could then save all those precious, helpless babies. I have lived this and we have taught our children the value of every life. I've never wavered in my own pro-life views. But on Thursday evening, June 23rd, approximately 12 hours before the Supreme Court had released the decision that Roe v. Wade was now overturned, my husband and I found out our 24-year-old daughter had had an abortion two weeks earlier. 
We had known for about five weeks that she was pregnant with her second child, and that is when she told me via a text message she was considering an abortion. I did not handle that news well. You could say maybe I flipped a lid. I told her all the reasons she could not do this and how she would be murdering her child, and that if she did not feel like she could raise another child right now, adoption was an excellent option. In fact, our other daughter, her younger sister, knew two couples that desperately wanted to adopt, and one of those did not live Uh, And one of those did live nearby. This daughter took the thought of her sister having an abortion horribly, as she should. During spring break of her senior year in high school, she found out she was pregnant, and long story short, changed all her plans, made the difficult decision to stay living with us so she could attend college, while I watched her daughter that she decided to keep without hesitation. That now almost five-year-old little girl has brought so much joy to all those around her, we cannot imagine our lives without her. Our daughter met the love of her life and they were married last fall and she's now expecting her second child with him in September. None of that would have happened if she had decided to have an abortion and follow her set plans instead. God always knows the best plan. While we have definitely made some major parenting mistakes, we too raised our kids in a pro-life Christian home. So to hear one of my children tell me that abortion was even an option was devastating. She told us that she thought we would support her. I told her I had no idea why she would think that. Nothing we had ever said or did should have made her think we would support her killing her child as an option. We tried everything in hopes that she would have made the decision to keep this precious baby. Once my cooler head prevailed, I came up with a plan. She could move in with us. She would get free food, free childcare for both her babies. And the only rent I would collect from her, would put we, we would put directly towards her actual debt. In just over two years, she'd be debt-free, on her feet, able to raise those babies on her own. We invited her over to the house to tell her about this proposition that we had for her. She turned us down, saying her and I did not get along and she needed her freedom. We do not get along that well. We used to butt heads. Now the relationship is very superficial because I do not always engage with her. But it is not a relationship that is detrimental to us. It would be inconvenient for us to live together, but we would have found a way given what was at stake. I had already been living, I'd already been through being a grandma to a grandbaby in our home and letting uh, her mom take the lead, and I followed. She sat on our living room floor that day watching her nine-month-old son bring smiles to our faces as she crawled around, played, giggled, and was being the free spirit that babies are as she spewed out all the reasons she needed to have this abortion for her and how it was better for her son that this baby was not yet a life and that all the other crap the pro-baby killers spew out. I was horrified. We said all we could think to say. We sat there in silent for bouts of the conversation. I could not comprehend how she could watch her son in front of her, who she wanted and planned, and say the baby inside her was not a life, how she and her son had more value than the baby inside of her. She could not understand how we could possibly put this unborn baby's value equal to her and her son's value. The conversation was left with she would schedule an ultrasound and see if she felt anything when she saw the baby. In the meantime, our other daughter sent her a very powerful documentary on why not to have an abortion. My baby sister had an abortion as a young college student after being pressured by her boyfriend. We all found out after she made her peace with God and right before she got married to her wonderful husband. That abortion tore her apart and 20 years later, I reached out to her and asked her to talk to her niece about her experience and to try to reach her. The things she wrote to our daughter, I was certain would have changed her mind. It did not. We asked her several times if she had made her decisions. She either said not yet or did not answer us. She had her abortion on a Saturday in June. I found out when I was looking over our health insurance claims from the prior few weeks. Listening to so many of the shows on The Blaze since that day that Roe v. Wade was overturned has been painstakingly hard. 
I want to rejoice at this decision, especially finding out later that Friday afternoon that Arizona Planned Parenthood had ceased all abortions until they figured out the law in our state. But every time I think of this glorious decision, I think two weeks, if only she had waited two more weeks, if only she had procrastinated like she does with so many other things. Just two weeks later, and this grandbaby, grandbaby would be entering the world in December. Even if she would have chosen adoption, knowing our grandbaby was alive and in the world would have been wonderful. I listened to your show after Roe as you talked about the woman who testified before Congress about having an abortion out of self-love, etc. As you talked about that woman, I sobbed because you were describing my daughter and how I felt about my daughter. She did this for her. There was no other reason except this baby was inconvenient. I don't know where to go from here. I have been praying for an answer, filling my head with Christian music and uplifting podcasts, asking God to guide me and what to do and how to handle this from here. Most nights include hours of not sleeping and only crying, thinking and praying. I don't want to lose my grandson too. He has a precious life too. And I will have to answer to him someday if I decided to lose touch with our daughter. And he asked me, grandma, where were you? Why weren't you a part of my life? When our two sons found out what their sister did, they too were devastated. No one wants to talk to their oldest sister right now or see her. How do we go forward from here? What is the right thing to do? If we go back to the way things were, does that tell her that we do not think what she did was a big deal? By having her over, what does that do for the family relationship? Is it fair to the other kids to have her here? Signed, Brokenhearted Grandma. I am not qualified, nor would presume to, answer the questions, sister, that you ask at the end here. And none of us are going to attempt it. We don't know your family. Can't even begin to navigate it. Contemplate navigating it. So I just want to say this. This is not your fault. Yeah, but I wasn't a perfect parent, as you admitted in your note. doesn't matter. It's not your fault. Yeah, but I flipped a lid as I admitted in this email. It doesn't matter. It's not your fault. Because while I don't know exactly how to navigate such shark-infested waters, here's what I do know. You have zero chance of successfully navigating them if you believe this is your fault. She is an adult. She is a mother. Don't let her put that juju on you, Ricky Bobby. No. I was talking to someone in my family recently who has a, shall we say, prodigal son. And he's well into his 40s. And she's like, I, I did this wrong. And this is, nope. I wouldn't let her get away with it. No. Even if you weren't mom of the year, he's in his 40s. The statute of limitations on guilt transference have long ago expired. 
If he commits a violent crime, he will not get to go before a judge and say, well, you know, my mom wasn't home enough. She worked too much outside the home and left me a home with an abusive dad. So this is how I turned out. It's not my fault. No, they won't accept that. And um, he'll go to prison for his actions. He is responsible for his actions, as is your daughter. If you accept guilt here that does not belong to you, one of two things will occur. You will either A, seek to validate everything that this daughter of yours does from this time forward as a way of making amends. And you'll, you'll never, the hamster will never catch the piece of cheese on the wheel. You'll, you'll never make adequate amends. You won't get there. So you'll just keep affirming more and more terrible decisions as a way of essentially trying to maintain her version of a warped relationship or B you'll just continue to get angry and lose your cool. And then you won't see things clearly soberly and drive an unnecessary wedge. If indeed a wedge is driven moving forward between you and your daughter, let it be because her conscience is seared and her heart is hardened. Not because either yours is or you affirmed her heart in its current state and therefore enabled it. I have no idea how to walk and chew gum here at the same time. Therefore, by the grace of God, go I, sister. I have no idea. None. None at all. But I do know this. You are going to need to be as clear-minded and lion-hearted as possible to figure that thing out. Because this is a terrible ordeal for your family, obviously. But it is a terrible ordeal that did not occur. And I'm just throwing out hypotheticals now. Because when she was 14, you said a crossword to her. Because when she was 16, something occurred and you weren't the best advocate. Nope, nope, nope. That doesn't mean, by the way, that those things that she may use as excuses, you could not have done better on. But they are not excuses for her behavior here. She is an adult. And so if you allow this sense of guilt that I could just kind of sense was trying to bubble to the surface as I read your note here, if you allow that to take root, you will, you will put your own heart in the following circumstance. A, I will turn on the things I said I believed in order to maintain this relationship and put her above God, make her my God. Because I've seen parents do this. Or B, I will get self-righteously angry and then justify her behavior to her. She'll feel justified in it. And that's why my parents are religious hypocrites and didn't really care about me. You know, she believes enough lies already. Don't give her any more. She's accountable for these actions. No one else, no one else on earth is. She made that decision. Here's another question I would have for you. Where's the guy that got her pregnant? 
because he is accountable for that. Where is he? Who is he? Because that factors into the equation as well. Is he still in her life to negatively influence her? I mean, I just can't even, I just can't even envision it. But I wanted to share this note because I wanted us all to be reminded of the stakes that we are playing for here. These are not theoretical issues. They're not talking points. They're not even values. They're far more tangible than that as this broken-hearted grandma is living right now. The stuff we're playing for here is literally life and death. Literally. Like physical life and death are the lowest stakes we're playing for. Soul life and death, eternal stakes, are the highest. And I think when we have moments like this, it's probably better to ask questions. As many questions as we can before we start settling on answers. Let's move on. John Yurkovich in Hamilton, New Jersey says, hearing Todd talk about how we're too busy in our luxuries reinforced a Sam Adams quote that I've been thinking a lot about these last two years. No people, quote, no people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor can any be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. On the contrary, when people are universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink under their own weight and without the aid of a foreign invader. End quote. That'll preach. This universal ignorance to which Adams speaks of is built upon the debauched manners of Netflix and chill, Sports Center is next, and the gated community mentality. This level of ignorance is made impenetrable by a fortress built on the spirit of the age's arrogance that they masquerade as intelligence. That fortress is supported by the, quote, conservatives who for too long thought that the manners by which we can get ourselves out of this was to watch Fox News and just vote GOP, which itself has been the right's own debauchery. We are sinking under the weight of both sides and being too busy in our luxuries has served more of an anchor than a life raft. You guys want to comment on that? Well, the faith that we preach is the cross. It, it, it by definition, clearly states there is no such thing as a cruise control. So when we talk about things, are there red states... We've, uh, we've had this conversation before in other contexts, but you know, are, are we in fact a Christian nation? And because of what this letter writing is talking about, I think it's abundantly clear we are not, no matter how many people go to church uh, this Sunday, because the idol of comfort um, is one that is very much, and there's, you know, not all idols are cut out of the same cloth. You know, 
the ones that are very much in your face may be powerful for a time, but sooner or later, and it's why in 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 the Bible, you know, the the, the fire breathing devil horns, things like that. That's not in Genesis. It's the did God really say? And that's what the idol of comfort is. It is very much along those lines. When you're just sitting there and you don't feel threatened by anything, and you know it's going on out there, but you know I, I'm I'm just high as a kite, and you literally are. You're stoned. Because you know, you, you understand there is a reality out there, but it's, I got mine. Um, it is, and after, it's all the more compelling to me, and letters like this, all the more compelling to me now after, after COVID. Because it just goes show, it shows the level of the addiction. We, we, we want to race back to that normal. We talked about that yesterday as fast as possible. We can not wait. And that means that we are going to have to deal with some level of Isaiah 1 that will be very, very unpleasant. Where would you yet be struck? You want to know if maybe you or I, just as a general rule, if a person is putting it on cruise control, a good indication is that they never ask themselves, am I putting this on cruise control? Mm -hmm. Too many people, though, whether it's uh, just really at the end of the day, no, no value, uh, you know, no eternal value of busyness, busyness. We just got things going on all the time, things going on all the time, but of no real inherent value. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's just working for the weekend and lord knows i think all three of us even in this really really cool job that we have sometimes it's like oh good great finally it's got a couple of days some 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 of us though and i've been i've been there in my life too where i'm just turning the crank just turning the crank uh just work literally just working so i can get a couple of days off i've been there too there are a lot of people i think in this country maybe are great at their jobs, but at the end of the day, what they're really working for in life, what they're really working for in their life is comfort, a little rest, a little folding of hands, a little slumber, really, spiritually speaking. Because we might have the accoutrements of, uh, of a life that would, from the outside, be marked by uh, strength and industriousness. But at the end of the day, all of that strength, industriousness, busyness is all working for one thing, the idol of comfort. I think there are a lot of people. When, 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 we, say, when we say we are too addicted to our comforts, we're too addicted to our... Don't, don't think that we're talking about somebody laying like uh, 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 a hedonist on a couch with a glass of wine and grapes and cheese. That's not what we're talking about here. What are we working for? Who are we working for? We all have to work. All of you work very hard. What are we doing it for? That's what we're talking about. At least in a lot of ways. And one thing, I, I had a conversation with my wife about this this morning, and, and the Moms for Liberty 
starting another chapter. And God bless everything. But, you know, the, the part of the reason the Moms of Liberty have to work too hard, there wouldn't be such a thing if we had the uh, dads, if I'm going to kick your backside if you keep up this nonsense in my presence. Yeah. How about the, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. This you're, continues. You're, being a man is not a leisure pursuit. Mm -hmm. And way too many of us think that real status has to do with never rocking the boat. I, I've seen th these guys are just like, what? it's tone conversations, work within the system conversations, no matter how bad it gets, you're wrong. What would, we call them the greatest generation, right? And for certain, women played a vital role, the women of that generation played a vital role in the home front during World War II. Oh, yeah. But what, how would they have responded to, we're going to draft the women? How, how would they have responded? Like if the if the school if the school district got squirrely, and a Moms for Liberty group showed up, wouldn't they've been like, like, wouldn't they? You see where I'm, where I'm going with this? Yeah. I mean, I, again, I love what they do. I know a lot of them around yes. the country listen to this show. Yes, they're great. So I so I I'm you, guessing you guys are applauding what we're what we're what we're actually saying and yeah. thinking here because everywhere I've gone this year to speak. Nothing has gotten a louder applause line than when I call out the men for sitting on their ass while the women go and fight their battles yeah. for them. And it's always the women that are doing the applauding. That's the loudest applause line I have everywhere I've gone around the country this whole year. I just, the idea, and we're only talking like an, a, a, a generation ago, basically. But the idea that It's not just that the women would be on the front lines, but they would be on the front lines without the dads, without their husbands. I just can't even contemplate. I, they would not even have contemplated that in any previous generation of America that built this country into what, by reputation, you and I think it is or is supposed to be. That's, that's not the mindset that accomplished that. Yeah. That the men would just be busy doing other things. And that the women would, would, would take on the, the role of confronter. I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. There, there's a great, I've mentioned it a long time ago. There's a great episode of Andy Griffin. And when I Griffith, saw it. Griffith, you mean? Griffith. Yeah. Blew my mind when I saw it as a kid. Now, Andy, he's like, he's like America's dad, right? Yeah. Very nice. Very, very kind. But there was a, a, a boy that was out of line. And that dad came in uh, to the uh, office uh, to the police office to kind of argue with the sheriff about what was going on. And Andy kind of said him right, very pleasantly. And the dad said, you know what? I think you're right. You've convinced me. And Andy says, you know what? Well, he on TV said, I got a, uh, there's a, there's a shed out and back. If you need to go take care of business there. Implying like, um, gonna, mm -hmm. the proper answer to this young boy to turn him into a man is to give him a bit of a whooping. Mm-hmm. That is, you can't even wrap today's average man around that sense of duty. It, it, it is such a different way of living. Today's man just can't be bothered all too often. Rich or poor, red state, blue state, whatever. They just can't be bothered.
and it's it's never going to work ever they've been conditioned that way yeah they have been conditioned that way and name me the institution we used to say well there's sports in the military so name me the institution in this in this culture that is not in on furthering and and, and cementing that right. conditioning right there isn't one and and now we've gone from you know uh, feminism allows me to just use women for the release I want without any uh, without any obligations at all. To I'm too lazy to leave the home to leave the home and and roll on top of a woman that will let me ha- that right. will just give herself to me when I can just masturbate on the internet and and you know save myself some time and that gives me more time for Fortnite. I mean that wooing process and drinks and a dinner and everything else that's just really expensive, man. It take plus it takes too much time and it may not work out the way that I want. So click. Can't even be, I can't, I, I'm so far gone, I, I won't even sin right. Like, <laughs> I, I won't even sin according to my masculine instincts. Like, I won't, e- I won't even sin according to my masculine instincts. I will sin according to passive aggressive ones. Yes. That's a deep hole, dude. Yeah. That is a deep hole yeah. many of us, many of our men and, are in. And the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing him he didn't exist. That's the thing. Nobody understands that hole. Before, when it was the big monster and the masculine, okay, there's the hole. We understand it. Man, right. if they go wrong, they go this way. Now they're like, I'm making six figures. I'm cov- I do whatever I want whenever I want to. Your hole is as deep as it ever was. Hmm. Good morning, sunshine. That Harmeet Dillon, the... Uh, the MAGA attorney that Tucker has on all the time. Yeah. She tweeted that to me today. Ever since. Did she right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I told her I promise I'm a hoot at, 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 the, at the company parties. Keep me away from the copier. I'm not always like this, except I just was again. We'll come back. More Feedback Friday in a moment. If you are struggling, like a majority of people, with lacking energy throughout the day, maybe getting a quality good night's sleep, that's usually what the lack of energy throughout the day is symptomatic of that larger problem. Uh, Then let us tell you about our friends uh, over at Bioptimizers and their magnesium breakthrough capsules. Hit, Hit those 30 minutes before your head hits the pillow because they include seven essential forms of magnesium included in this full spectrum serving that will help you relax, unwind, Turn off your active brain after a long, stressful day, especially when when we get out of work, we're still looking at those screens and being virtually and or visually stimulated the entire time. It can just make instantly going to bed more difficult, right? So turn that active brain off so you can rest peacefully, wake up feeling more refreshed, vibrant, and alert. Magnesium Breakthrough has become a household name over the years because of its reputation. Just recently, the company released their fourth upgraded formulation that works even better than the ones before. 
It's a simple, cost-effective solution. And if you haven't tried it already, for a limited time, it's Makers uh, by Optimizers. They're offering additional bonus gifts for the next 1,000 customers or while supplies last. These include free bottles of their full line of digestive health products, including their powerful digestive enzymes, their patented probiotic, uh, their product to alleviate heartburn and acid reflux, and so much more. So that means you're also getting free products to try that will help you support uh, a healthy immune and digestive system in other ways while also trying Magnesium Breakthrough. But remember, this is an exclusive, limited-time offer. If you want to take advantage of it, you have to go to this website, magbreakthrough.com slash Steve. That's mag, M-A-G for magnesium, magbreakthrough.com slash Steve. Again, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Steve. Let's continue on with some feedback Friday. This is from Ben. I'd really appreciate insight from the three of you on this topic because I think it may be pertinent to your wider audience in these, well, unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. The more studied and confident I become in my beliefs throughout the years, the more my eyes have become open to bad theology, shoddy preachers, dishonest dealers of the faith, and weak men. The complete ignoring of the overturning of Roe by my church was the final straw in a long list of dishonest dealings from gutless men that has led me to pull the trigger, pull the trigger and tell my family it's time for us to leave. With this in mind, what do you think I owe the church in regards to our exit? Do I owe the elders and pastors an explanation before we move on to searching for a new church home? There's some debate with myself and other men in the church who find themselves in the same position. Some believe it's useless when the men leading the church have become so weak and dishonest, while others feel like you have to lay it bare for them to chew on on the way out. Well, the first thing I would say, Ben, is, I mean, have you gone through any kind of a Matthew 18 predicament. And that's not to say, by the way, that there's never a time to just instantly eject on the church, right? I mean, a pastor comes out and says, here's my seven wives. Which one do you think is hottest? I think at that point, Jesus would say, eject. Okay. But if, if, if we're talking about something that's a little bit more subjective on a sliding scale uh, of courage, of conviction, as opposed to the I guess we'd call them alternative convictions. Like, are they preaching that abortion is good from the pulpit? That's an alternative conviction. That's a get thee to a nunnery, get out of here, get out, okay? Are we talking, though, on something that is more of a subjective scale? Because one man's soft approach is another man's, you know, that's just soft. That's where I would ask, have you gone through any kind of Matthew 18 approach? Have you guys attempted to discuss this with the church on any level whatsoever, or are you instantly pulling the plug? Because I would say, if you're at the point that you're willing to bolt, then that's actually a great time to have a conversation because you don't care about anybody's feelings. Because this isn't the time to care about anybody's feelings. This is the time to care about what is the truth? What do we believe? And go there. That doesn't mean to go in there and communicate douche-tastically in a way that will not be effective. But it also means not to go in there looking to be concerned that someone may get offended or this or that because you don't care. You've got one foot out the door as it is anyway. But I, I think at the very least, if you gave any amount of time there at all, you invested any amount, of, any amount of time, talent or treasure that God has provided you into belonging to that church at all, I certainly would have a conversation with those people particularly if I was at the zero bleeps given point of the relationship, then why not? 
Let her rip. Respectfully, but let her rip. Um, because it sounds like that's really what we're talking about here. We're really talking about they're just, they're never going to confront the spirit of the age. We're just going to kind of sit here and pretend like what's going on around us isn't really going on. Todd, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, have you done that Matthew 18 thing in the past? That's crucial to me. Sure. Uh, not just now. It's, you may have decisions to make right now, but uh, make sure you look yourself in the eye. Be serious. Do, do you need to own any part you played in being quiet up till now? Maybe in your uncertainty, maybe all that growth had happened, but it's good that eyes are wide open. But here, here's the thing I, I firmly believe in, whether it's been in uh, a, ch- a church in the past or uh, the school district that I've gone through. No, nobody is going to be able to tell me when I was right about where things were going down the road. And if I give them an old, well, I tried. I told you so. They're not going to say, no, you didn't. You didn't really. Don't don't gaslight me now. You just you just got out and you went away. Uh, Make sure you own the fact that you either did something all along in this, and then you definitely can walk away clean, as Steve said. Or if if you haven't, uh, yes, you still may have to leave, but that absolutely needs to inform how you leave uh, now and whom you owe what. That's why I, I I I I firmly in my personal life and all these things make it possible so that when and when I do, no no one's ever going to be able to say, well, this this is this is not a shock, okay? Because you did your part, you rolled up your sleeves, you tried, you said your piece, uh, whatever. Because that's that's a non-negotiable, uh, both as a citizen of a country we talk about at the time. Or as uh, a member uh, of a flock. You're not simply there uh, to bleat and be part of the same kind of comfort social structure that has now been sewn into so many churches. Innocently enough, maybe at the beginning, as part of a growing fabric of family. We all have those in our own family, in our houses. The three of us sit here too. But when those things become the faith, uh uh-oh. And so just be honest with yourself. There's no right or wrong answer that the three of us here in this room can possibly divine uh, for you. But be honest with yourself. Uh, what have I done up until this point? Because if the answer is very, very little, you're going to have to extend more grace into this period of discernment and going elsewhere. Aaron, you have anything? You want to move on? Yeah, I, I would just... I, I'm not sure what all the... the the minute details are just make sure constantly you're checking your own motivations in your own heart that's that's basically i all i would say in this entire process check your own motivations check your own heart uh you know follow um follow as as much as you can possibly discern the leading of the the holy spirit through any any sort of process like this Jessica Christensen says, I wanted to get you guys' take, and especially Aaron, because he's around my age, on what we younger folks should be doing with our money regarding investing for the future. My husband and I both contribute to our workplace's retirement plans that match up to 5%. We also have separate Roth 
IRAs, easy for me to say, Roth IRAs outside of work as well. However, with the state of our country lately in the world, I've lost a good amount of motivation to contribute to our retirement accounts. It truly feels like our nation, as we know it, isn't going to be around much longer, let alone for when we turn retirement age. So frankly, it's hard for me to see the point of putting a money away into an account every month that I may not be around for or have asked us to, uh, even if we get there. I know that as Christians, we are called to be good stewards of the resources God gives us and that we should plan for our future and put our money to work. So I'm aware that my current mindset is not a great one to be, be in, and I feel bad that I feel this way, but it's tough to see long term right now. At this point, I want to put all of my retirement money into my Patriot supplies. Well, first of all, retirement's not a biblical concept. I was just going to begin with that. that that's yeah. number one. It's just not yep. a biblical I have concept. strong feelings about okay. this. Yes. I mean, the, the idea that you work until a day that you can just hang it up and do nothing and not be productive um, is just not a... It's not a biblical concept. Now, here's what also Too is- Too comfortable, perhaps? Yeah. Here's what also, by the way, isn't a biblical concept. Hanging on and hanging on and hanging on and hanging on and not letting another generation take its turn and passing your lineage and legacy on to them. That's also not a biblical concept. Okay? So neither one of those are. But um, here's the thing. What if you're wrong? If retire, so if you don't want to save for retirement, like we're not saving for retirement, Amy and I are not. We're saving for when we're older and our kids have their own families. We're not a burden on them. That's what we're, you see what I'm saying? I mean, uh, that's what we're saving for, that, that we're not a burden on them, that, that they have um, the ability to, if we get to that point as a society, that they have the ability to put their best years into their family and not into us as burdens we we um one of the reasons why uh i i didn't you know move to a bigger home or anything after a number one selling book is because it had been on my heart for several years that i gotta start saving money for a wedding fund because sooner or later one of these girls is going to come to me and say hey pops i think i found the one and then shortly thereafter i put the money away for that one of them actually did all right but those are also things that that's my responsibility as a dad to provide that and I wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to do those kinds of things so there are still things that you can be responsible for without taking part in the retirement canard that I don't think it's unbiblical I mean God says to the Israelites in a time of captivity get married you know still have families uh, still work I mean the the idea that these things are suspended in the future uh, is not true. That's not a biblical concept either. You know, so I would maybe consider Aaron rerouting my focus from what the world might be like when I'm 70 to making sure that uh, I take the, the, the prosperity that God has given me. And after I give him my first fruits, I also make sure that my kids later in life don't have to give their first fruits to me, that I've, I've, I've absolved them from that. Yes, and and that is that is absolutely the right motivation to have, and that's where I was going to go with this. But how do you go about doing that when your money is debased at the rate that it currently is? Right. So what do you do about that? And uh, I'll just be honest with you. Here's my uh, three point plan. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. I've thought about 
you know, getting it, building a shed and filling it with like booze and cigarettes or something like that. I've also, uh, I've also thought about, hey, gold is a good thing as well. Mm-hmm. It looked like Bitcoin was going to be a good thing as well. Is it rebounding? I don't know. I, I've got a little, a little bit of money in Bitcoin. Yeah, I've only, I've only I lost now forty five percent of my Bitcoin <laughs> investment. It was, it was sixty percent a yeah. month ago. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, there are things like that as well. I would just say, the laws of economics. The laws of economics are always there, no matter what. I think it just depends on whether or not you have um, the ability to discern what things will hold value. Because what we're really talking about here is what things hold value economically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're asking, if you put a gun to my, my head just for a safe investment, gold not just for its beauty, but for its utility now in the electronics age that we live in now. There's gold in everybody's smartphone. At least there used to be anyway. Maybe that's not the case anymore. But its value, its beauty, utility. To me, precious metals like that or companies that um, that uh, deal with that are going to be probably as safe as you can hope for. But I would just reinforce this as well. Retirement, not a uh, not not a biblical concept. I intend to work until I drop dead. Intend, intend. I might be in a car accident where I'm a quadriplegic. What happens then? Is Ben gonna my my almost one year old kid? Is he going to have to then take me on? I don't want that. I don't. I don't like you said. I don't want the bird. So think in that in in those terms. Think in terms of you know if you do find something to put your to store your money in, um, it's about others, not about you that's always going to be the good thing and then I, I would just add as well at the end of the day too this is not an excuse to be lazy that's not even close but i have found myself more now that i have a kid more anxious finding myself battling anxiousness about the future more than i ever have uh before just rest and know that uh, God's promised always to take care of us, everything that we need in terms of provision. So don't be anxious about it. That's that's the message. Well said. Uh, let's close out with this note from uh, from Jenna, who says, our family closed on a new home this past weekend during these unprecedented times. Bing. Indeed. Thanks for sharing the information about the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. We had moved to a new state and found an agent through that website. She was awesome. So knowledgeable. She helped us find a great lender, even and uh, a good inspector, everything. As we worked with her, we learned more and more about how much respect and great connection she had in the area. Our inspector even did a follow-up inspection for us for free as a personal favor to her. And we love our new home and we're so thankful for it. That's why we've been... Telling you about realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the kind of real estate agent you're looking for, the kind that has those kinds of connections. And then years later, uh, Jenna, when you're doing upgrades, chances are she may know some affordable contractors or two because people often like to do upgrades before they sell a home, right? So she would know that have those kinds of connections as an agent, I'm guessing. Uh, those are relationships you're looking to harness, but you got to get them through a real estate agent you can trust. And you're going to get that through the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Todd, you have a last word? Well, to that previous letter writer, she actually said, I feel a little guilty, I think, about not planning for the future. I, you're seeing it the exactly wrong way. Your eyes are open. You're free. You can prioritize accordingly now. Make first things first. 
And because a lot of those comfortable people, that's all they think about is retirement. It is That is not even, that is a blip on human history in terms of the kind of people who can think about it. And that's when the devil realized he pulled something off that's amazing. And it's the heart of Steve's book and now his movie. You are free. Reprioritize. This isn't an idol for you anymore. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter, but it's not an idol. That's a wonderful, blessed thing. That is well said. Um, I am looking forward to heading down to Chattanooga this weekend. Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's going to actually be cooler down there than it will be here this weekend, if you can believe that. And I am heading down there to speak at Calvary Chapel Church. I'm going to give the message to uh, their weekend services, and then we've got a, a special program on Sunday night as well. So if you were in the area and you Amen. can make it to one of the services, come down and say hello. That'll also mean, by the way, no show on Monday because that's when I'm coming back. All right. So uh, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you Tuesday right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.